It's happy hour again from the Columns Hotel in beautiful uptown New Orleans. Hello, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris, my special guest here at the Columns Hotel today. Uh, Eric Schwartz, who is the managing director, well, the managing partner, I think it says here. Yeah, that's what we say, yeah. You, what do you say, managing partner? Yes, I like Not partner. director. I prefer partner. Okay, managing partner of Interfaith Works and the co-director of the Institute for Faith and Service. I have that right? Okay. And sitting across the table from Eric is Chandra Banudas, who's the legal director of the Hare Krishna Temple here on Esplanade Avenue in New Orleans. And with him is Drew Miller, who's the director of Vegetarian Food Relief, the Food for Life program also out of the Hare Krishna Temple. Correct, gentlemen? Is that correct? Actually, uh, he's our director. Uh, Chandra Banu is the director of the Food for Life program also. Okay, so that's a really complicated start. So you're both co-directors of the Food for Life program, and Eric is the co-director and Institute for Faith and Service. Okay, so we've got three co-directors of two different projects, as well as Gina Forsyth. Hi, Gina. Gina is a folk singer. That's right. A Cajun fiddle player. That's correct. And songwriter and singer, and an amazingly deceptively clever person. (laughs) <laughs> That's a fair description. <laughs> and on piano... Especially the deceptive part. Deceptively. <laughs> and on piano is the fabulous, talented, gorgeous, and always lovely Mitch Foreman. Hey, pretty good for five weeks' worth of lessons. That's pretty... pretty He's good. Mighty, I know. Pretty, good job. Pretty Bravo. Good, good job, yeah. Mitch. Bravo. I know. He's on his fifth lesson, and he's already sounding pretty good. Yeah, Mitch, how are you this week? Great. How did you get on with the, the Thanksgiving vacation? Oh, Thanksgiving vacation was fine. Family. Anything exciting happen? Nothing too exciting. Just, just the usual. Food, family. Food. Yeah. So, what do the uh, what do the Hare Krishna guys do over the Thanksgiving? Seeing you directors, co-directors of the Food for Life program. Uh, well, we had a, a really great Thanksgiving feast over at the temple, and uh, probably about a hundred people showed up. You're not eating any turkeys. No turkey. Absolutely no turkey. A hundred people talking, showed up. I'd say so. How many yeah. people are usually hanging out there? Oh, on a daily basis, about maybe 20 or 30, yeah. So where'd the other 70 or 80 come from? Friends of the temple, um, family members, I guess, of those who hang out every day. Yeah, Jamila, what you? Oh, on Sundays, we get about uh, 350 to 450 guests, which is, uh, we incorporate as part of our Food for Life program, distributing to the local... uh, You get 350 to 400 people show up every Sunday. Yes, Eric can uh, substantiate that he can... Best Indian food in town. Yes. Well, Uh, that's the cheapest. Yes, yes. It's it's a free feast, and uh, we get um, students, uh, neighbors, uh, volunteers that are involved in reconstruction in the Ninth Ward area. Many people come, partake of our free feast on Sundays. And it's free, free, free. You don't have have to make a little donation to the temple or anything? No. No, no donations are required. And we've been doing that since 1972. And it's all over the world, the same thing, right? Yes. So is that, is that the Food for Life program, or is that something completely different? That's, that's just part of the International well, well, Krishna food, Consciousness. You know, food for Life actually supports the, the temple program right now. It used to be uh, simply the temple program, but Food for Life, which is a separate organization, uh, which is affiliated with the temple legally, but now supports the temple food programs. Okay, now it's way too complicated for a, for a religion. <laughs> so you're not the legal director of anything, Chandra, then? Uh, actually, I am. <laughs> you are. So yeah. this, is like a, this is like Perry Mason. Yeah. <laughs> what are the next witness? Yes. No further witnesses. Your question, Chandra. So what does a legal director do? <laughs> now, you're putting me on the spot, Grant. Ah, okay. Uh, no, the, the legal directorship is... Uh, it just you know, de- deals with the overall you know, legal responsibilities of the temple and pretty much making sure that everything's going on as it should in a legal sense, I suppose you'd say. Well, I'm not quite sure what that could possibly mean. When you've just got a temple that's open to people and, then, and they come in and they eat free food and hang out, what, what sort of legal requirements are there for you? Um, well, I mean, there's, uh, there's always uh, um, you know, things to comply with, you know, city city ordinances and so forth have to be complied with and uh, just making sure that um, you know everything is uh, always well for instance a number of people are, are uh, uh, residents at the temple do you live there too no I don't live there do you live there Dramilla I live next door to the temple adjacent adjacent Te- temple yeah. adjacent temple adjacent yeah. okay <laughs> is it cheap rent because of that or there goes the neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> It's it's cheap rent. It's pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Chandra? You don't live there either, right? No, I don't. I live in Mississippi. 
Okay. <laughs> really? I didn't I know do. that. Yeah, I do. So you're like, you have two states that you're responsible for the legal. Uh, at least, yeah. At least. Are you like the Southern Regional Director no, of the Hare no, Krishna no, no, Legal? No, no. I actually, I'm on the legal board at, uh, at our affiliate temple in, uh, in Mississippi, New Telavon, which is near Picayune. It's a 1,400-acre farm. So, uh -huh. yeah. I'm well, also are you a lawyer? No, 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 no. But I'm also on the board of, of directors there. Where do you live then? You live at the temple in Mississippi. I, I live about three miles from the temple. In Mississippi? Yeah. Why would you choose to live in Mississippi when you could live in New Orleans? Well, I did live in New Orleans for a while. We lived here uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s. Oh, you've been here forever. It's very yeah. peaceful in New Tallahassee. Very peaceful. Yeah. It's a different vibe entirely. You've been out there? Several times. Yeah. What's it called? Mm. It's called New Talavan is the, what we call it. What does that mean? Is it Talavan as a place? Talavan is a place in India. It's a forest in India where oh. a lot of interesting uh, um, religious and mystical activities took place 5,000 years ago. So we just renamed it New Talavan. There's not much connection between Mississippi and India, I wouldn't think, other than that name. Other than our temple. Yeah. Are there any, have you guys spent much time in India? Uh, yeah, we've, we've spent some time. I, uh, I've been three times to India, each, each time staying a month at a time. Uh, over a period of 35 years, I've been three times. What sort of accent do you have there, Dramilla? Southern California. Is that what it is? Yeah. It sounds like sort of foreign-y. Does it? Doesn't it, you guys? <laughs> do you think, Gina, you're an expert on that what accents, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, particularly the southern kind, not, uh, not California as much, even though I've spent a little time there. Where are you from, Jeannie? You from the South? I'm from the South, yes. What part of the South? You grew up in Alabama? I grew up in Alabama, yeah. Where uh, where near Mobile. Hmm. I was born in Florida and, and was raised uh, near Mobile, Alabama. Do you ever spend any time in the church? Oh, I've spent a lot of time in church. This is going to see, I knew this is going to have a whole religious. <laughs> this is like a, hey. a Christmas show now. Hey. Very Christmassy. This is the Christmas show. Yeah. That's it. What? Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm down uh, with all religions. It's, as Except long as they don't mess with me. <laughs> are they uh, tending to mess with you? Some, some of them do. Which is the some of them more than others. Who tried messing with you? <laughs> hey, the people I grew up with. The really? Baptists. The Baptists. Uh, well, but, they, you know, they're, they're okay too. Mostly. Yeah, we're not going to knock anybody today. That's but right. What do they do, that, what do, they do to you, the damn Baptists? Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, the usual, usual preaching and laws, you know. Usual stuff. Well, what were you doing that was against their uh, wishes? Hmm. What was I not doing? Um, that was against their wishes. Okay. Yeah. Were you drinking? Uh, somewhat. Fornicating? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Plenty of that? Plenty of that. What okay. else is there? That Those are forgivable. Just don't start dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dancing exactly. and singing. That's a good point. Are you not allowed to dance or sing if you're a Southern Baptist in Alabama? Well, you're, you're allowed to sing. Dancing is another thing. That's another story. So you're not allowed to sing stuff that would make people feel like moving? Uh, exactly. Well, well, I do now because I live here. Well, you've put that behind you. I've put that behind me. How did me you get out of Alabama? Uh, I came here to go to school. I came here to go to Loyola, New Orleans. and uh, Did your parents stay. have any clue what was going to happen? Uh, no. And no. How do they feel about it now? Well, they just have to deal with it. They, they have to deal with it. They can pray for me all they want. Are they still home. praying for you? That I'm sure they are. So, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in... In, in town or somewhere in Alabama, probably. Someone's so, praying for you right now. Praying for for my soul right now, this How, very minute. Do you guys believe in the transportation of the soul to another place after we're gone? Absolutely. And where are we all going? Many different options, right? Depending Eric, on, where are you going? Well, I hope to... Uh, I hope to the Hare Krishna temple. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to die and be reincarnated as a, as a Hare Krishna temple person, are you? Well, you never know. Or are you? You mm -hmm. never know. Mm -hmm. But I, it could so happen. It, it, it depends on your d two things. Your desires, the desires you've cultivated in this lifetime, and your activities or karma. That determines your next situation and, and this, where the soul goes in the next lifetime, according to the Krishna tradition. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay. And you obviously you both believe that. How long have you been, how long have you been in the temple both you guys uh, devotees uh, I've, I've been a devotee for almost 40 years 40 yeah. 35 myself goodness me you guys don't look that old actually <laughs> that's, 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 that's what that's good a, living does yeah <laughs> that's most of your lives well i joined when i was uh 20 22 myself and what are the uh things you're not allowed to do fornication is okay 
Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. It's like a oh, Facebook oh, kind of a <laughs> religious <laughs> answer. Is that the answer Prabhupada would give? It's complicated. <laughs> if you were here today, you might. <laughs> and who is that? He's the father of the, the international Krishna consciousness. The He's the guy's Christian face. You see that face on everything. Yeah. This guy here, I got. I printed this off the website. This dude is that his? Yes. What yes. is what is his name? How do you pronounce Srila that? Srila Prabhupada. Yeah. His full name is. Abhaicharanaravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Kijai. <laughs> I, I know this is going to sound stupid, but could you say that again one more time? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm AC AC is, yeah. you know, A period, C period. So Abhai. Uh, Baya means fearfulness. When you put an A in front of a Sanskrit word, that means without fear. So okay. Abhaya Charanaravinda Bhaktivedanta. Bhakti means devotion. Veda means knowledge, and Anta means at the end. So the end of all knowledge is devotion or love, bhakti. So AC Bhaktivedanta Swami. Swami means one who can control his mind and senses. Uh, generally, people are controlled by their mind and senses. But the, uh, the Swami, sure. he, contr he, he, he doesn't let the senses of mind control him. He controls them. Uh, and uh, Prabhupada. Pada means the feet, and Prabhu means master. So there, in India, there are many masters or gurus. But Prabhupada means that master at which all the other masters, they sit at his feet and hear from him. How did he get that name? Did he start, did he come up with that himself? He, or did someone bestow that he upon He comes him? in a long chain, a uh, disciplic succession, a long chain of spiritual masters dating back to Lord Krishna himself 5,000 years ago. Abhicharan was his given name, right? Right. His birth name. And then right. So where did he get all this people, other gurus sit at my feet type stuff? Did he make that up? Uh, well, Bhakti like Pat Robertson? Bhaktivedanta was bestowed upon him by his sannyas guru. Uh, and uh, Prabhupada uh, was by his own disciples. And so, it, yes. so to answer that question you had earlier, it's a very nice question. You said, are there things that we shouldn't do? Yeah. And Prabhupada uh, made us vow to follow four principles at the time of our initiation. We got our spiritual names from him and made our vows. And one of the, uh, the four principles that Prabhupada said that we shouldn't uh, um, break or violate is uh, no meat-eating, no illicit sex life, that's sex life outside of marriage, and only f having sex for the purpose of proc procreation. Really? That yeah. narrows it down. Yes. So no illicit sex, no meat-eating, no gambling, and no intoxication. The, can you Those four principles we follow. Okay, so you're not al are you allowed to drink but not get drunk, or are you not allowed to drink at all? No intoxication. No, that including, including no. coffee, tea, oh. or cigarettes. Okay. Well, that's sensible. Yes. Well, okay. the, you know, the reason it's not that this uh, denomination of Hinduism is so puritanical, but they want to keep the mind clear for meditation and other kinds of spiritual pursuits. It's understood that intoxication interferes with that. That's correct. Okay. And it ha these principles help one to be... Uh, have a peaceful mind so that he can pursue uh, God consciousness. Yes. So you're allowed to get married and have girlfriends yes. and boyfriends and so oh, on. Oh, the we the weddings in this tradition are fabulous. They're yeah, but you're not supposed to have sex with each other unless you intend that to lead well, to. Prabhupada didn't like us to have girlfriends. <laughs> he liked that his disciples would get uh, married and live a very okay. uh, responsible life. The, the reason I said it was a little complicated is because our tradition, which is called Vaishnavism. It's sort of like the monastic branch of Hinduism. So when he's, so the, what he's what he's describing is is the vows that an initiated Brahmin would take, an initiated monk within the tradition. So it's it's the, the, we we're in the monastic society now. <coughs> it gets complicated when you have a congregation which we've developed over the years, and the congregation is more secular, you might say. Uh, just like the priests in the Catholic Church mm -hmm. as opposed to their congregation. Okay. There are actually different rules. So as the movement expands, we develop more of a congregation, and they live by rules that are a little less stringent, and they don't take initiation per se. Okay. So, so it's pretty much like any other religion, yeah, actually. I would say. Yeah, yeah. You, could, you, could, you could say that. People are, you know, have different degrees of devotion and following the, the rules that are laid down. Right. So you guys you are hardcore then is what you're saying. Well, yes. Well, we we try. <laughs> okay. We try. That's uh, nice. Well, well, well we I, I probably couldn't join you, but uh, but at least you, maybe I could get together with some some good Indian folk. You, you can well, do you that. Can do, you and can you also can also join us. You can, yes. join. you can join. You can join. You can inspire them with a song about now, actually. <laughs> okay. What would you like to play? Something to tell. Let's let's set this up a little bit more than that. You just. You've just finished your, what, what number album is this that you've just finished? Uh, this is my second album, uh, Promised Land is, is my new CD, it's out, or, or uh, I'm having a CD release party for it on the 16th, Friday, Friday the 16th at the Neutral Ground Coffee House. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a fine piece of work. And how many songs did you knock off on this thing? 14. 14 times. Mm -hmm. Wow. And which one are you going to play off that for us right now? Okay. Which one? I guess I'm going to talk a little bit about religion, just a little. Okay. Not too much, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, speaking of which, this is uh, called Christmas in China, and believe it or not, this is a love song. Our Christmas was made in China Human rights issues and all From my brand new socks to my old gym shoes To the decorations on my wall Candle holders in a box Of the Virgin and the Cross Tell me how it was I got these things all made in China Family comes over for Christmas Bearing gifts from China Like the little toy train With the song inside About a guy and a woman named Dinah Bring out all the uncles and aunts All the relatives you can stand Bring out all the pots and pans Bring out the fancy China They don't have Christmas in China Like in the USA there they work for chicken feed Making things we think we need Thirteen hours every day People work their lives away So we can have our Christmas day All the way from China Sometimes I think about China But not about all these things I think about what distance brings Thinking how my heart still sings You can sail across the sea I still feel your love for me This Christmas day your memory Was your gift to me from China Like the very last time I saw you In that tiny diner You'd been gone for oh so long Smuggling Bibles in China When you said you found the Lord Could have pierced me with a sword Set my ashes sailing toward The heavens bound for China You can sail my ashes into the wind Or off an ocean liner They say you can't go home again not true, not even kind of I've known my whole life through I could go your way if I wanted to But that's something you could not make me do For all the tea in China Our Christmas was made in China Memories and all of how we built our hopes so high enough to build our own great wall all these souvenirs it's true in this living ghost of you so what am i supposed to do with all the stuff from china there's a warm wind blowing from china all those miles away they say you can't go home again I don't believe a word they say You can sail across the sea I still feel your love for me This Christmas day your memory Was your gift to me from China Whoa, our Christmas was made in China All these things and all I think of how you loved me And I could climb so high above that wall I can dream my life away In my heart is where you'll see Your gift to me this Christmas day All the way from China Ooh, I can dream my life away In my heart is where you'll stay Your gift to me this Christmas day All the way from China All right. Beautiful.
think that was an apt description that I uh, described you before earlier as deceptively complex. Is that what I said? Yes. The songs sound so simple and sweet and cute, and then you listen to the lyrics, and it's like sticking a knife in. Yeah, the, sort of like that, yeah. That's, and that's like a real folk singer is supposed to do. That's traditional folk songs. Right? Exactly. Did you grow up just learning how to do that somewhere, or did it just come to you? I mean, did you follow, like, Bob Dylan or of course. Pete yeah. Seeger well, and all those people? Well, I mean, you know, I've listened to their records. I grew up listening to, to a lot of their records. And, of course, you know, like, I grew up with a lot of the usual country music and, and top 40 rock and roll and, and blues and um, R&B and the whole nine yards, right. along with the folk. Um, and I, I started playing guitar and fiddle about the same time when I was about 11. And where did this cynicism and bitterness come from? Uh, life. <laughs> so did you start off with that as a teenager, though? Were you pissed off at everybody? Of I course. Mean, of course. And, and you just kept it going. Yeah. But you're a happy person to talk to and to look at and to yeah. watch play. You're, I mean, it looks you look like you're well, enjoying yourself. Well, after a while, you know, you do uh, get some happiness uh, and joy out of life as well. And, and music is part of that for me. Do you enjoy singing these subversive songs? And of course. Sticking it to <laughs> yes. What sort of sticking a, it to the man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like occupy the guitar case. Exactly. Exactly. Do you go down to the occupy? I have point? not yet, but I, I. It sounds like to me they need a, a song or two. They need me to come down. There yeah, they need like and, a. They need a folk and, singer. And they need actually. somebody to come sing a, a sing singer. a song and support them. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do. Eric, have you been down there to occupy Nola? I have not occupied anything. But nothing? Yeah, I not, have occupied nothing except... What, what my, do you occupy? You occupy an office at, on St. Charles yeah, Avenue, in, just in down the, the street from the hotel here, Indeed, right? and, and I sometimes occupy this uh, space in this Hindu temple. <laughs> do you, you go to the Hindu temple as well? I do what do you actually do? You're the, you're the managing, what is it, managing partner of something called Interfaith Works. Right, and that's... An, which is an optimistic title for a company. Well, we, th we think it's true. It, it, they, it work. works. We think interfaith, interfaith work. works. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. As That's a, cool. As yeah. opposed to the individual faiths. Well, they work too, but you can, you can uh, do a lot of things together that you can't do one by one. What's the principle behind interfaith works? The principle is that uh, bringing faith communities together to work with the larger community uh, on a whole range of community needs and issues. And I could go into more fine-grained detail than that. I mean, we try not to impose our vision on the community. Well, what's your vision? Really, the vision is that you listen to the community, let it articulate its needs, and then find the assets in the community rather than trying to impose your will, your expertise. Uh, you find the assets within the community. Then you build across the different faith groups, bring in foundations, other funders, service agencies, other nonprofits to get done whatever it is that needs doing. So you're like a religion management consultant. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like management consulting. And, you know, here, post-Katrina, we focused a lot on rebuilding. Then uh, we began, as that became a less pressing need, we focused more on education. Now we're looking at health care. Uh, so you, you get up in the morning and you go to work and you just think about something good you could do that day? Well, no, I mean, it's really a lot of no, conversation. No, I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah, it's a lot of conversation with other folks. Right. You're constantly talking to people about what's going on. Are you part of an, or to be an organization, like a bigger organization? We have a lot of big partners. One of them is Points of Light Foundation in Washington. Here, uh, I've also worked extensively with Habitat for Humanity. Here we work a lot with a group called Hands On New Orleans. Uh, we've worked with... Uh, all kinds, of, every, everybody from the White House Faith Office, with whom we have relationships, to uh, neighborhood and community associations. This is a nationwide operation. We, we really are, I mean, uh, the Institute for Faith and Service has a national focus. Uh, and we do have national and even some international partners, including Food for Life in Vrindavan, India, where we've done proje a project. Um, but we are small. Uh, we don't try to have uh, national reach, but we do try to have activities with partners in many different places. So, so you like a politician? It's very difficult to understand probably, what you're talking probably about. Probably more like a diplomat than a politician. Diplomat. That's yeah. why I can't exactly understand what's going on here. Yeah. Are you guys following this? What's happening? You, well, you guys know what's happening, right? Well, not, not really, no? Shrugging. Well, why, why don't I talk about the way Interfaith <laughs> Works has worked with the Vaishnavs? Uh, okay. So uh, here in New Orleans, uh, following Katrina... There were a lot of major rebuilding efforts. And so we, we would put together different faith communities 
with Habitat or with Rebuilding Together and do you know big projects on weekends and Food for Life would come and feed thousands of volunteers. But and why why would you want to do that? Why don't you just let them get on with it on their own? Well, let let who get on with? Well, what? all these different religions they all have their you know the Catholic charities and the Hare Krishna people have the Food for Life and. The you know various religions have their you know Sunday bake sales because everybody what, brings you know it's sort of like stone soup everybody brings a critical ingredient. What Catholic Charities brings is you know a massive infrastructure, administrative infrastructure. They can get certain things done on the ground. They have political connections. What Food for Life brings is this wonderful spirit that we're going to feed everybody. We're going to feed them healthy, hot food. Someone's got to bring the food. Well, Catholic Charities so, isn't going to do it, and these guys will. So, that, so your idea is you take all these individual religions that have a, that have their individual strengths, right? Some and put them are, together and make a sort of make it stronger. Right. Some people are great at healthcare. Some people are great at feeding. Some people are great with dealing with mental health issues in the community, and so you can really start to get a holistic approach to community health and community And who's paying you? Well, we have... Not you personally, of course, I don't. Well, we have a number of different funding sources. There's a big New York foundation that's been a steady core supporter of ours. We write grants. We've gotten some federal money. I can't tell you what a huge hassle that is. But we have done federal... (laughs) Well, it's free money, for God's sake. You're supposed to do something to it. The the cost is they... You have to constantly report... uh, Oh, that must be awful. Rather than actually working. It it is awful. yeah. Yeah, it is awful. But anyway, we've gotten some federal funding. We've gotten funding from you know don- individual donors, right. and you know a number of grants from different foundations. And how and did you get into this? How did you get started in this? I uh, had sort of a, a early midlife crisis in my thirties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ended up back in school studying and then teaching religion. What did you do before that? You banker I, I or something? I was in. I had an art business in Soho, New York City. You had an art business an art, in yeah, New York yeah, City. That yeah. sounds so like it's a pretty fun gig, it, actually. It, it was fun. I had a lot of fun. I was there in the 1980s. Did you have a gallery or No, I worked with gallery. We, we did art services, you know, transporting, brokering, shipping, installing. all the Similar things. kind of a gig. Yeah, so uh, that's what I did. But at the end of the day, I found that really, although it was fun and when we made money, it really wasn't deeply fulfilling. Hmm. And I, you know, I knew that I had to get back into the spiritual side of things. So... Went back to school, became an academic, but I knew that I wanted, I wanted to get outside the academy. So, I what were you teaching? I was teaching Asian and African religions. Wow, what are they? Well, one of them is Hinduism, of course, of which these gentlemen are representative of a particularly brilliant denomination. Uh, what are the Asian ones? Well, there's Buddhism, Jainism. These are all communities represented in New Orleans, by the way. Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism. Uh, there are a number and Confucianism. Give peace a chance is the next give line. Give peace right? a chance. Yeah, Confucianism, Taoism. Uh, there are a bunch of smaller tribal and uh, sort of indigenous religions in Asia, but those are the major ones. And then Africa, you know, there's a plethora of African religions, really represented in, in New Orleans by a small Santeria and a larger Voodoo community. So you're one of these people who's actually using their degree. I mean, I, I you've taken so, yeah, you've taken yeah. all this sort of pan-religious knowledge and used it to bring these people together, these religions together, to actually achieve something. Yeah, and it you know it does help that when I sit down with Vaishnavs, uh, I know I've read the Bhagavad Gita. See, our friend Chandra has brought his copy of the Bhagavad Gita. I've actually read it cover to cover. We can have a discussion about that. And by the way, what's that, on page thirty-eight? Well, maybe we could get to some specific shlokas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm actually a collector of Gitas, and he has brought my very favorite. Uh, this different My very versions? favorite. There are many, many versions. What's this version, the orange one? Want, you want to tell us about it, Chandra? Uh, this particular model, or? No, just that by Bhagavad Gita one, as it is. Yeah, what what distinguishes it? Yeah, what distinguishes this Bhagavad Gita, uh, according to its author, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, is that <coughs> it's... Uh, uh, is bringing this information as it is without any interpretation. That's the main thing. That there are many editions of the Gita that have been that have come to the West uh, and even in India, but they're characterized by the fact that they're being interpreted by people who have sort of their own agenda about things and want to put put it forth in their own their own style or their own with their own idea. 
But this is... Uh, it's interesting that you say that because I've always... This bug of Agita we're looking at is how many mm-hmm. pages is that? Like f- three or four hundred? Yeah. Because I, I have one too and Some I have the like... very I, small. I very have the thin. pink one with it's just... Yeah. It's like about, you know, 40 pages. Uh, right. So I thought that would be the pure one and this would be... Have well, tons of... Uh, is, that, is, that Wendy Doniger, is that Wendy Doniger's translation? I don't have no idea who yeah, translated yeah, it. It's got yeah. a little penguin on it. Is yeah. that? I'm, I'm going to fight with, is that with the translator here and say that what's well, commentary? Yeah, what, that's, what, co- that's what I mean. All that's commentary, yeah. right? There's like no, hundreds there's of pages. A, there's a lot of commentary. No, no I don't. Know, I don't have to read it right now. No. But oh, let me no. take a look. I, yeah, I, okay. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to differ from Chandra and say what, what makes this such a great Gita is that it does have a point of view. Prabhupada has very pointed and, and really fantastic commentaries on the text, and that that's what I appreciate about it. Right. Well. Yeah, he does certainly have commentaries and a point of view, but th- that point of view is, um, you know, it's it's not it's not tinged by any personal desire for any sort of self-aggrandizement. No, 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 I would agree like with that. that. Yeah. Right. But so his point of view, I mean, I think you, we've used the word bhakti before, loving devotion. I mean, there are various strands of Hinduism, and I think Prabhupada's version, Vaishnavism, really reflects uh, this pure bhakti perspective that it's really about love love of God, love of each other. There are other Hindus who say, no, love's not so important. Really, it's less... Uh, that's What's a love got quality. to do with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Really, it's, I, all, it's all about exactly. knowledge. Or it's all, it's about all about knowledge. Action, yeah. Mitch Foreman, are you still uh, sitting there at the piano across the room? I still am. Hello, I see you. Um, Mitch, what about g- giving us a break from religion for a minute? Can you help us out? I'm going to play some religious songs, though. Could you play us a hymn? Yeah. What have you got lined up? No, um, I'm going to play a jazz number. Okay. It's, it's based on a song called Without a Song, but it's a little it's a play on words, and it's called With a Song. Okay. And it goes like this. My goodness, me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That was great, Mitch. What a workout. Wow. Uh, Five weeks of I know, pretty good for lesson six, wouldn't you say? Uh, I, I, I took one extra lesson I didn't tell you about. Oh, you <laughs> sneak one in there over the Thanksgiving break. Very nice, Mitch. Where does that come from, that piece? You know what? It's based on this thing. Uh, I, due to legal issues, I've realized that we can't really play real songs that exist. Well, so I, I can check with my legal director, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have a legal director there. Yeah. Right there. So I took a song called Without a Song, and you can't really copyright chord changes, and I tried to make up a little melody based on that song. So. Is that right? So can we? So because we don't want to pay anyone for the show. Correct. Because we we, the more people we get listening to this thing, now we just have to start paying people for copyright. Correct. So, so, that's, that's uh, what it, so uh, my songs don't count? 
No, yeah. we don't pay you anything. Okay. Well, well, we got you a drink. Would you like another drink? Uh, Come over no, here, Corinne. Technically, you, you, really, you really should pay her, I think. Okay. Yeah, we should. Yeah. More and you water, should pay, you by the way, you should be paying me too. Cran- we uh, should. Cranberry juice and club soda. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's it. Eric, you want anything? I'm good, I'm good. Well, Thank you guys aren't drinking all that much today. Very temperate crowd. What was in the Shirley Temple, actually? Gina? Sugar. Lots of sugar, sugar? And, sugar and cherries and <laughs> club soda. So there's no booze in that either? There's no booze so in that. No one's had any... Oh, you had a Pimm's Cup, right, Eric? Okay, yeah. so okay, well, that's good. No. Someone at least is drinking around here. I forgot to tell you, you know, that um, if you listen to the show now talking about uh, not paying anybody anything, uh, but you have enough money to come to New Orleans and uh, you need to book a hotel or a tour or you need tips on what to do while you're here, check in with our friends at neworleans.com. The official New Orleans travel site. I just had to get that in there. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. But um, Mitch, I didn't realize that you could just change. You can't. You can't copyright chord changes. Mitch, where did he go? He's not listening to me. I didn't realize you can't copyright chord changes. Is that right, Gina? That's correct. You can't copyright so, chord changes. You can't copyright titles even. So you could. Take a song. Yeah. Like, what's a famous song? Pick up the guitar for a second. And well, uh, there, of course, there was Stairway to Heaven. Okay. You, know, you can't copyright that chord change, and you can't copyright that title, because that you, there was a song called Stairway to Heaven, uh, you know, that Led Zeppelin did, and then yeah. uh, a few years later, Earth, Wind, and Fire had their own Stairway to Heaven. But had no relation to the other one. Exactly. But you can take the chord changes from Stairway to Heaven, which everyone knows that how that song goes. Right. And as long as you change, what do you have to change about it then? To just make a, it maybe a little bit. Just one note. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I didn't know Earth, Wind, and Fire had, had Stairway. To I think it was Earth, Wind, I and Fire. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, cool. I, it might have been a, a different band, the OJ's or somebody like right. that. But it was a, it was a, it was an R and B group yeah, that right. uh, that had their own Stairway to Heaven, which has no relation to the original Stairway exactly. to Heaven. Exactly. I've given yes, I've given uh, Hare Krishna spiritual books to over a hundred movie stars, many of them huge, big movie stars over the years. How did you meet them? Uh, I have a karma for running into stars. I have some unusual stories, but anyway, I'll yeah. See. But uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, you mentioned Earth, Wind, and Fire, and years ago in uh, Los Angeles, uh, LAX airport, where I was distributing Hare Krishna literature at the time. Uh, I ran into Earth, Wind, and Fire, and one of them gave a donation. I gave him a book. Did like, you ever meet George Harrison? I didn't, but my friend, uh, Mukunda, he was uh, very close friends with George Harrison. He was in the room with him when he left this world, when George left this world. They were, he was chanting with him. And uh, he co-wrote a book called uh, Chant and Be Happy, which is about the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, which George personally chanted, of course, on songs like My Sweet Lord. And, you know, right. uh, in, in his private life, he would chant on beads. You know, mantra, meditation beads. What's funny sorry, about that, I, Gina? Well, that's uh, no, just that, downright No, no, that, that part's not funny. It's just uh, <laughs> that, yeah, we're talking about my sweet Lord. and, and, and um, What are you, what and are you laughing at? Chanting on bees? We were talking in the whole subject of copyrights. And, uh, ah, okay. of course, uh, there was my sweet Lord, and then there was the copyright fight over well, That's he, true, there was. He's so fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the end result. It, it was, I, I'm just sorry. seeing the irony. Okay. But the end result, the irony also, that was at the end, and I've heard this, you can verify it if you want to, but uh, I heard that at the, at the end, uh, he actually got the, uh, the he bought her, he bought her uh, copyright out or something. He bought like the Chiffon's version yeah. of the song. Okay. He owned it at the end. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's all it takes is money. Yeah. It's not all about love, knowledge. At the end of the day, it's money. So. Were you one of these guys, Dramilla, who was uh, at the airport in the pink robes and, yes. and chanting Hare Krishna? Well, uh, actually, I was, I was wearing Western dress. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, regular uh, Western clothing. Mm. But, Not uh, country and Western, you don't mean. Uh, <laughs> Not boots and a Czech plaid shirt. No, no. What, he, what he's wearing now, though, you can't yeah. see that yeah. over, the over the area. There you go. Over the radio. I was, yes. Yeah. So you weren't one of the guys in the robes with the haircut. No, I had I had I had a shaved head and a ponytail at the time. Yeah. But I would wear a cap and I'd wear just regular slacks and shirt, like that. Right. Yes. So I would appear to be normal. One of the others, you know, one of the one of the regular yeah. class of people. Yeah. Just a person <laughs> in an airport. You know, is that LAX when they? That's do they still have that when they have this warning? You don't have to take anything from anybody at the airport. I, I think they do. I, I was there recently and I, I heard them. I heard that over the loudspeaker. Solicitations are not allowed, or if you're, you don't have to take anything. That that was referring to the Hare Krishnas always, wasn't it? 
yeah, I think mostly. Was, yeah, mostly. What was the, okay? So what's the deal with that? I mean, is that just about trying to spread? happiness and joy or is it trying to get people to join up well, let me step in for a minute i mean yes eric uh the Hare krishnas came here as a missionary movement from india people have all kinds of crazy ideas that hippies started it westerners started it was a cia plot it, it was, was simply it? a missionary movement that came from india an interesting thing has happened to the Hare krishna temples as the indian diaspora has reached these shores the Hare krishna temples have really become part of the indian community so what we're talking about now is ancient history from the 60s and 70s. If you go to a Hare Krishna temple now, you'll see mostly Indian people. Uh, and in fact, if you go to the temple here in New Orleans, it's really part of the Bengali life of the Bengali community in New Orleans. And some people refer to the temple as Little Bengal. So most of these folks, maybe not here so much, but in most of the Hare Krishna temples will be middle class, professional Indian people practicing What's religion that got to of do with my question about the airport at LAX? Well, you know, I, I think you're, exactly. you're referring to a, a particular phase of a, an early phase of a missionary Oh, that's gone, movement. you mean? That. Well, I, the, up until recently, as my understanding is, they were in the airports. Still, we were in the airports right. distributing, but um, due to legal, a legal battle over whether you can distribute in the airport, especially with all the, the, the you know, terrorism now mm. and, and the security issues, I believe we lost that right to be well, but my but my question is was the that, is that what was that phase of the, the movement and or is it which is ongoing possibly still is it trying to get devotees to join up with the temple and to become members to increase the numbers of people who are devotees no. or just to spread the word to of educate, happiness and joy to educate the masses uh with transcendental knowledge about what is the purpose of life the goal of life to give them the process bhakti yoga by which they can purify their existence and purify their lives Okay. And experience real pleasure and happiness from within. So, you are, are you guys? Are you? Do you feel in? Do you feel enlightened, Chandra? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a moment when you when you accepted this into your life and had like a an enlightened? You know, the process is not exactly like that. It's it doesn't occur in a in a lightning bolt or a, an epiphany per se, but it it, it comes about through. The cleansing, actually, a cleansing of the consciousness through meditation, you know, through yoga, which uh, for us is mainly mantra meditation, chanting Hare Krishna. So through the chanting, uh, the consciousness becomes cleansed of a lot of, you know, mire and uh, conditioning that's been going on for, as we say, like many lifetimes. So through that meditation process, then gradually, 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 you start realizing something different that you're at, you're not exactly what you thought you were. You're not this body per se, but you're something different. You're a spiritual being. And that comes about through gradual chanting. Uh, not to say that it can't happen all of a sudden. If someone chants with great sincerity, then bam, you can have it like that. But you have to do something. You have to chant, chant on the name of the Lord, as George said. Right. Chanting in the name of the Lord, sort of on a regular basis. And, and gradually... Uh, can you do it by, like, say, Gina is a great musician and plays beautifully spiritually pure music can that do you feel enlightened when you play absolutely uh, i mean well uh, okay I'll, I'll amend that not always but <laughs> but there uh it it helps it it, it really uh, I, I it is music is one place where i do feel some enlightenment and spirituality and and, and i try to encourage that let's let's hear something i see you yeah. hold, you're holding a fiddle yeah. in your hand right. oh great so tell us something about how you became a Cajun fiddler, because that's got nothing to do with folk singing Alabama or New Orleans. Well, it is a folk music. I wanted to be a part of a, a folk genre. And at the time uh, when I was in, in school, you know, I was uh, interested in traditional music uh, as well as contemporary folk. Um, and, and I've already played the fiddle, so uh, it was a, a pretty school? natural progression. I, I took violin lessons in, in school, uh, in high school, in junior high, in high school, and and then finally in college, I played in in the college orchestra. Had you heard Cajun fiddle? Had anyone playing like that before though? Until you got here? Um, well, uh, not not a whole lot. You know, Doug Kershaw, of course, yeah. and uh, Jimmy C. Newman and uh, Rufus Thibodeau. Uh, those those recordings. Um, I became familiar with uh, with uh, the Balfa Brothers and Beausoleil and. Um, Talking about an enlightened moment, yeah. that must have been an incredible oh, yeah. moment when you realized you could do that with a violin. Yeah, exactly. 
This next song has nothing. Uh, has doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Cajun music. It's more uh, more an old time thing. I was. Um, I've always wanted to write kind of new age hymns, and hmm. yeah. So okay. this is a uh, speaking of religion and enlightenment. Uh, this is kind of a song in that um, in in that direction of things. Why do you call this one sparrows? of sparrows high o'er the earth and far from the ground and all I could feel then would be the wings beating to gravity ceiling I'd never be bound in some other lifetime I was just like them I With my wings open, I dove into silence, caught by the wild winds and carried away, far from my wandering, far from my longing, far from this burden as I could go, one of the Foresight and sparrows. Everybody seems to want to be released from the suffering. That's what that song's God about. knows there's a lot of it. Do, do you feel that way, Gina? Of course. Yeah. And do you believe that, like that song is saying, that one day you're going to wake up and be released by death? Well, 
I guess so. I, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, that's that's one way uh, of looking at it. You, you know, you're you're either just dying or in going to a hole in the ground, or you're being released to the next incarnation. Do you believe? We that don't. Too? Know, we don't know. Do you believe it? I think I do. So when you're playing that song, but one day I'm going to wake up and be released like the sparrow, your soul is going to fly free somewhere yeah. else. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you think everybody? We, we concur. <laughs> and the only way, the only way we're going to get there is by dying. No, not necessarily. At least you can, to a new life. You can get there within life. You can get there by, by uh, this process. We're on that, I concur. Okay. Actually. <laughs> you do. And yeah. what's the process for getting there in this life? I mean, you guys believe it's chanting on the name of Yeah, we, be we believe that. Take mm -hmm. this medicine and uh, try it for a week. If you don't feel better, there's... Are you serious about that? If we chant Hare Krishna for a week, how many minutes You'll a day feel, do we... Oh, 10, 15 minutes a day. 10, 10 to 15 yeah. minutes a day. Yeah, if Would you, don't you, see, do if you don't see a difference. Well, there, there's a physiological um, a component to chanting or singing that actually does make you feel better. Right. But, but, yeah, that's true. But, but it but doesn't have to... That's science. I, but if you, if, if you, if you chant Coca-Cola for a week and you chant Hare Krishna for a week, there's a difference. Okay. I, we could I'll try that. that. I could do Hare Krishna or you could do Coca-Cola for a week and we could I'm get I'm never to. chanting Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What's another one? I'll do Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, I'm going to feel like... Eric, what do you do to make yourself feel better? Well, occasionally I do chant Hare Krishna. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm not as regular as I should be. I, I have well, to say, you're the expert on all these religions. I'm, That's not, I'm not an expert, I'm, uh, but I say, you know, not all of us believe that it's about uh, escaping from suffering. You know, there's the idea of the Bodhisattva vow, which is that you know I am not looking to escape. I'm looking to stay in the suffering and help others. And I think you'll find a version of that in all religions. That's what not you seem to believe. That's what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. You you you're you're in the trenches of suffering. I um I have to say I don't think I personally suffer a great deal. I, I have an enjoyable and fairly comfortable life, but I do try to be aware of and make a positive impact where others are suffering. Yes, but to relieve others' suffering. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's even a higher calling. That's your personal liberation, and then and then coming back to help others. That's even better. Yeah, and I'd say you know that's deep in your tradition. Yeah. Isn't there some theory in some religions also, though, I think in Hinduism as well, that the best way to help other people is to help yourself? Absolutely. Do you, is that, but well, you I think you have to take appropriate care of yourself, and I'm not always great at that. You do have to take appropriate care of yourself. But the end purpose is not to be in the best possible shape you can personally be. It's to you know, keep going so that you can keep engaging positively with other people, positively and compassionately. Yeah, yeah. We say by watering the root of the tree, the entire tree becomes nourished. And the root of the tree, we say, is Krishna. That's God. So, by serving God in devotion, then everyone becomes benefited in some way or another. Are there other ways of getting there? In your opinion, was that the only way of getting? There? Uh, no, we think that there's many ways. We think that there are many names of God and that there are many traditions. So we don't have to chant Hare Krishna to no, get there. No, no, you don't. But well, that's a very enlightened position too because most people who are deeply religious believe that their way is the only way and everyone else is going to go to hell. No, we don't Pra believe that at all. Prabhupada said that you don't have to chant Hare Krishna. He said whatever religion you're in, whatever the name of God you know, chant that name of God. He said like in the Bible, it says glorify the name of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. So Prabhupada said you can chant Christ, Christ, Christ if you want like that okay we could try that and that's <laughs> going to be just as good then so so you're saying that all religions are equal the same as eric's saying we don't we don't say that they're equal. quantitative equal equal they're qualitatively equal quantitative now i believe i believe for legal instance, i do believe that bhagavad gita contains the more knowledge than perhaps other other scriptures but essentially they're they're, they're leading to the same point I, I would tend to agree i mean i i think there are you will not find that the Bhagavad Gita differs in its essentials from the New Testament and its teachings. You will find more complete information in the Bhagavad Gita. Right. Well, we've really got to an interesting point here towards the end of the show where, where we've come to a sort of an agreement that all religions are saying the same thing well, and, that, and that we're all going to, we're all going to be happier for it at the they, end of the day. Let's be this clear, is like they, Christmas. They have different emphases. They come from different cultures. They aren't saying precisely the same thing, but I think uh, there is an idea... In Hinduism, called Sanatan Dharma, which is there is an essential truth 
at the heart of all religions that uh, is indistinguishable. Absolutely. We think that Sanatana Dharma, Krishna consciousness, is basically a non-sectarian point of view. Non-sectarian. Prabhupada would say that if your religion is helping you to love God, he said that is, that is a proof that your religion is working. He said then we're all okay. for it, whatever religion you... I, I was thinking the best way we could end this to bring this all together is with some sort of Cajun song. All right. <laughs> what do you think about some sort of Cajun fiddle song? Ah, oh, okay. What do you think? Some sort of happy, well, uplifting... Well, what, what were you going to do? I was going to uh, just uh, uh, sing something religious and okay. just real quick. Okay, sing us out uh, with something quick. religious and real quick. Uh, uh, now, this is, now, you have a capo on here because I see when you play there's all sorts of capo action goes on with your guitar. This is one of your hallmarks. I'll, I'll sing a piece of this song because I know we're kind of... Before we are done Can't we just face the terrible mess we've left of this place. Jesus is here. Allah is too. Whatever you call him, she is in you. But we forget all that it's worth and quietly waste this time here on earth. May I remind you, if we don't know for sure, in each one of us is what it's all for. It might be true, it is what it is. I know we can do better than this and rise above the way we are now. Just once, put weapons aside. Can't we just once take stock in our lives? Can't we just once be one world in peace? Just for tonight. Can't we just once put weapons aside? Gina Forsyth. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today on Happy Hour, Gina. Your new record, Promised Land, is out now and available everywhere. The link, a link to your site is on our site. It's newallness.com. Thank you so much for joining us. That was beautiful. Thank I you. think we've achieved quite a Christmassy little get-together, yeah. unified little show here today. My other guests have been Drew Miller and Chandra Banudas, who are both from the Hare Krishna Temple on Esplanade Avenue, which you can go down to and get a free meal on Sundays. And actually, every day there's a free f is a free lunch down every there. Every day at twelve thirty. There uh, is such a thing as a free lunch. Where there exactly is. <laughs> is the um, is the Krishna Center? Uh, Twenty nine thirty six Esplanade Avenue in Mid City. Awesome. There you go. Thank you very much for joining us, both you guys, and also Eric Schwartz, who is the managing partner of Interfaith Works and the co-director of the Institute for Faith and Service. Thank you so much as well for joining us, Eric. Thank and you. the link we have a link to your site on our site. As well, our producer is Melinda Hawes. Our associate producer is Chris Kehoe. Technical direction has been by Mitch Cry. And our music director is Christian Unruh. Our web designer and link to the real world out there is Cliff Brigden. Our theme song 
was written and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. Our show is recorded live at the Columns Hotel, a great place to come and stay. If you're coming to New Orleans and a great place to come and have a drink, if you're already here, check out our other happy hour shows on our website, itsneworleans.com. And our other shows, Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti and Kathy Finn, which is recorded live at Commander's Palace, and Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. You can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter, and you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes as well. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Mitch Foreman on piano, I'm Grant Morris. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on Happy Hour. Happy Hour.